Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. So Vision Sunday is so exciting to have you all here and, uh, and with us and uh, pray that you are going to be blessed. The, uh, the vision is, uh, or the message that I'm bringing today is not just about the church as a, as a whole, uh, but also about us as, as individuals. And uh, if we can have that first uh, picture up, uh, thanks Nath, if we can have that up. So this you may recognize as a tree, a tree sort of cut off and there's all these various uh, rings that you can see. And uh, those rings represent different seasons, different seasons of, of growth. And these rings are becoming more and more important and scientists are, are studying these because, uh, of course, trees can live for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And within each of these, uh, these specific rings, uh, we can study things like the effects of climate change because basically... Whatever happened in that particular season of growth in the life of that tree is captured for all time within those rings. So the outside of what is taking place, the the environment and, and everything that's taking place outside is reflected on the inside. So even if there's 10 years of abundant rain and, and blessing and prosperity for the tree, and then there's just one year where things don't go so well, where things, you know, there's a drought and and there's no rain, and then there's another 20 years of of blessing and rain and abundance after that. That one bad year, that one bad event that took place external to the tree is captured and reflected on the inside of the tree and I think that we are a bit like that not that if you cut us off at the knees that you could see you know different rings there although maybe some of your past decisions are reflected in your body like maybe you would say well yesterday we had two weddings and two wedding feasts and so I've got a bit of a, a ring that's forming around my midsection because of that and maybe I could say well you know way back 12 years ago when we went to um, Italy and France and ate cream brulee every time that, that there's a bit of a, a ring around my leg there because of that but that's not what I'm referring to that there's always these external things these circumstances I think many of you know what I mean, that there's been times of drought in your life, times where things haven't gone the way that you would want them to go. And even though it may have been 10 years ago or 20 years ago, and even though every year since that that same tragic event hasn't happened, there's still something that we carry on the inside of us that actually reflects that bad external thing that happened to us. And I don't think any of us are immune to that. But I also don't think that God wants us to carry the droughts of our past into the hope of our future. And as has been said, this is Vision Sunday and our key verse for the year comes from Psalm 1 verse 3. It says, They are like trees along a riverbank bearing luscious fruit each season without fail. Their leaves shall never wither, and all they do shall prosper. And I know that as I read that to some of you right now, especially considering the season that you've come out of maybe last year, if that is supposed to be a reflection of our lives, that we are... You know, always bearing luscious fruit and our leaves never fail. You think, well, that is impossible. That, that is just something that the Bible says, but that doesn't truly reflect my life and the way that I live because 
Josh, there's been some times of drought in my life. There's been some, some deadness that has come in my life. So it's a good idea, but practically it doesn't work. But there's something in that passage that we could be missing that I believe that God wants to show to us and reveal to us that will mean that despite the drought going on around us, that there can be an evergreenness, there can be growth and fruit that is still produced in our lives. That we don't actually have to carry around evidence of the droughts of the past, of the external things, when there is something more and something deeper that we are heading into. Because in that passage, it talks about being close to the river. And this is why Murray Bridge people are more holy and more righteous than anyone else in the world. Because we are close to the river. But of course, it's not talking about a physical river, it's talking about the living, it's talking about Jesus, that as we get close to him, that as we, as we you know, draw near to him, that he provides this sustenance and, and this support and this life-giving spirit that is supposed to th- flow through us. That when we are close to the river, when we stick close to him, no matter if there is a drought going on, no matter if there is bad circumstances in our life, that we can actually be healthier and more full of life than at any other time in our life. I had the privilege of speaking to our uh, Tuesday morning Life Women uh, group this week, and we actually studied the entirety of this psalm, of Psalm 1. <clears throat> and um, the title that was uh, sort of put at the, at the, at the top of this, um, of this psalm was uh, the Tree of Life. The tree of life. And for those that maybe don't know, the tree of life is referring to this tree that was planted in the original garden, in the Garden of Eden. And if Adam and Eve were to come and eat from that tree of life, it meant that they got to live eternally. And of course, there was another tree and they ate of that and so they were... Uh, removed from the garden. But it was interesting that... Now, we don't, of course, know where the Garden of Eden is, but we do know that that was God's original design, that that was God's original plan, was that we would all dwell in the garden, that He would provide for, for all of us. But it's also interesting to note that in the Garden of Eden, as part of God's original design and God's original plan, there was no rain that actually fell in the Garden of Eden. They weren't dependent on the rain from above. It wasn't dependent on the situations and circumstances around and about us. But the original design was that they would be sustained by these streams of living water that would flow through the ground. And we can read that in Genesis 2. It says... The Lord God hadn't yet sent rain on the earth and there was still no human being to farm the fertile land. Though a stream rose from the earth and watered all the fertile land. The Lord God formed the human from the topsoil of the fertile land and blew life's breath into his nostrils. The human came to life. So our very life source came from the breath of God and from the fertile land and the fertile soil watered by these streams. So in other words, we were never supposed to be dependent on outward situations or outward circumstances or if rain is falling or not falling, but we were supposed to be dependent on God. That rather than being dependent on the world, 
that when we become dependent on God, all of a sudden those growth rings and those times when things don't go as we planned no longer have an effect on us because we're digging into something deeper, something that can sustain us even through those times. So even now that we don't live in the Garden of Eden, we don't live in the perfection of heaven as this Garden of Eden represents, we can still remain evergreen despite the seasons of life that come to us. Now, I don't know about you, but my mum would always say, you know, if she'd told us something and we ignored her, but she thought it was important, she would say, don't make me tell you again. Like it was some negative thing to tell us again, but when it's really important. But God is not like my mum when she's angry. God is quite happy to tell us things more than once if it's something important and he wants us to get it. If it's, a, if it's a core thing that he wants us to know and understand. And so we actually see this same imagery again um, in the book of Jeremiah in, in chapter 17. It says, he is like a tree planted along a riverbank with its roots reaching deep into the water. Get this, a tree not bothered by the heat nor worried by long months of drought. Its leaves stay evergreen and it goes right on producing all its luscious fruit. So how is this possible? If, if this is supposed to refer to our lives, how can we stay evergreen in the midst of drought times? Because, you know, this is, a 2020 vision, and I would love to be able to stand up here and just proclaim that 2020 is going to be the best year of your life. That you're going to be able to do whatever you want and receive whatever you want, and all the circumstances, all the external circumstances of your life are going to be perfect. You can have your cake and eat it too. You're not going to gain weight when you eat that cake. You don't even have to floss. Who would love a message like that? And for some of you, the, out, the outward circumstances are going to be the best year of your life. Some of you are maybe going to get pregnant and have kids this year. Some of you are maybe going to start a relationship. Some of you are maybe finally going to get engaged. <laughs> who, who here thinks that we should start a competition between Jake and Jeremy? <laughs> to see who gets there first. Some of you are going to start new jobs or, you know, get a new house. There's going to be some great things that happen this year. And for some of you in this room, in a room this size, for some of you, the outward circumstances for this year is going to be the best year of your life. And we want to celebrate that with you. But for others of you, the outward circumstances are not going to be great. Last year, for the first time, you know, I did more funerals than weddings. We're already at a good pace this year. We've had four weddings so far already this year and, and no funerals. But that, you know, may not last. The loved ones may pass away this year. There may be job losses that take place in your life. There may be relationship breakdowns. You may go to the doctor and get a bad diagnosis. And for some of you, the outward circumstances may be the worst year of your life. And some of you were thinking, well, Josh, this isn't what I wanted to hear. It's supposed to be encouraging, like, I, I got up early, I put my makeup on, I'm looking great, I'm ready to receive a great word. That's not the word I want to receive. 
But while you and I sometimes can't control the outward circumstances of our life, I believe that this passage is actually great news because what it means is is that despite whatever outward circumstances come, we can stay evergreen, that there is a, a source and a hope that can be within us that will sustain us even through those times of drought, even through those times of suffering. And that is why the gospel is such great news if we will stay planted and let our roots go down deep into the things of God. You see, there's this weird thing that kind of happens when we become a Christian. When we allow ourselves to be planted in the house of God, and even Jesus experienced this, that somehow we experience more sorrow and more joy at the same time. That this week someone came to me that has recently experienced loss and and grief and the Holy Spirit, I believe, brought the story of, of Lazarus to mind and of his passing. And I want to read it and then we're going to talk a little bit about it. So it's in uh, John 11. Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad that I wasn't there because now you will have a chance to put your faith in me. Let's go to him. So they were apart from him, but they, he said, let's go. I'm glad that I wasn't there. And it goes on in verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Yet even now, I know that God will do anything that you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will live again. Martha answered, I know that he'll be raised to life on the last day, when all the dead are raised. But Jesus then said, I am the one who raises the dead to life. Everyone who has faith in me will live even if they die. And anyone who lives because of faith in me will never really die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the one we hoped would come into the world. Then we read on in verse 35, this weird thing happens after he's just spoken all this hope and life over the future. It says, as they walked, Jesus wept. And still going on further to verse 38, Jesus was still terribly upset. So when we look at things from Martha's perspective, Martha was saying, you know, yet I believe that in the future, that, that someday I can have hope. That there is fruit and, and eternal life someday in the future, but not today. That there is a season in our life where we're, where we're bearing fruit, where everything is happening. But today, today, Jesus, today is a day of drought. Today is a day of death. Today is a day where we just need to, to mourn and be sorrowful. But then Jesus steps into her world and he says, no, it's not just for someday. The, the hope and the life is not just for someday. The hope and the life is for today is for right now, that in the midst of your death, in the midst of of your most dry and barren place, I want to come and I want to bring life and I want to bring hope into the midst of your worst situation and your worst circumstance and your your time of most drought and your time of most need. That's where I want to be. Not for someday, but for today. But then the funny thing is, is that When we look at things from Jesus' perspective, although he was speaking all of that life and hope, still in the midst of that situation, he still had sorrow. He was still sad at the loss of his friend. 
He wasn't denying the fact that there was loss. He wasn't denying the fact that there was death. He wasn't denying the fact that there was a drought. But what he was saying is, although there is drought, although there is sorrow and sadness, that I can have and, and hold in my hands, I can hold greater sorrow, that he might have experienced greater sorrow than, than anyone else that was there at the tomb that day. But at the same time, he also experienced a greater joy and a greater hope because he's trying to say to us, it's not that he denies the sorrow. This is what he's trying to do. He's trying to connect with us. He's not saying that I'm just going to shift every circumstance and change every outward appearance of everything that's going on. He's saying we need to connect with the reality of what's going on around and about us, but that my life source and my strength and my joy comes from somewhere deeper. Something so much greater that can never be taken away, that no matter what is going on on the outside, that we, can, that we can stay evergreen because we are connected to the life source, because we are connected to God and who He is. So becoming a follower of Jesus is not about having perfect circumstances in our life. And some of you may have thought that, and I thought that at times too. And I especially thought that, that, that when a good situation, a, you know, a potential for, for growth in, in my life came up, it also meant that I kind of wanted to shrink away because I didn't understand this principle. Because when I was asked to take on you know, this role of you know, leading this church under God, I felt, well, no one's going to want to follow me. I've prayed every day for, for 15 years, since the, the 19th of November 2005, when Belinda had her ectopic pregnancy. I prayed that our situations and circumstances would change, and they haven't. So I must be a failure as a Christian. So who would want to follow me? But then I... I noticed something that although I would pray every day for rain, although I would pray every day for that, that, that dryness and that barrenness to, to come to an end, that I would pray every day for rain, I noticed something that, that 15 years later, that 15 years down the track, although rain has not come, that, that somehow our faith hasn't withered. That, that somehow we haven't actually gotten weaker in our faith, that somehow our faith hasn't dried up, that although we keep looking and we keep praying for rain, that there was, there was something deeper. There was something more sustaining than just the changing of, of outward situations and circumstances. And God wanted to, to show that to me, and I believe that he wants to show it to us as a church. That it's not about changing situations and circumstances. That if we allow Him to be our source and Him to be our supply, we don't need what the world has to offer because in Christ we have more than enough. Even in the natural realm, you know, we have these seasons of summer and autumn and winter and spring. And so too for us as individuals and us as a church. If we can have that next photo up, thanks. Thanks, Nathan. So here we see, right on the very left, we see a seed and then we see it start to send its roots down and send up leaves and sp sprout and growth begins to happen. But some of us right now probably feel like that little seed on the left there. And if you were here at All In Day, I, I challenge us, are you buried or are you planted? Because we all have these winter seasons in our life where no growth seems to be happening. 
where we feel as though we are weighed down, where the things of this world are getting on top of us. We are buried. Buried by our sins, buried by bills, buried by addictions, buried by relationships, buried by all these different things that are around and about us. And we feel as though the weight of the world is on top of us. And maybe that is the season that you find yourself in right now. But I'm here to say, what if you are not buried? What if you are planted? And what if the season is about to change? Because always after the cold darkness of winter comes the new life of spring. And the interesting thing is, is that all the rubbish, all, all the manure, all the everything that once surrounded us that was pushing us down, the moment that growth occurs, the moment that we send our roots down deep, that all those things that would have once buried us then actually becomes fertilizer and, and feeds us so that we can actually grow stronger than we would have if those situations hadn't happened in our life. Now, God doesn't bring those bad situations, but He will bring good out of every bad situation that may have come across your life. That if He says, if you put your roots down deep into me, that all those outward situations and circumstances will be changed. So those that were once deep into addictions, now fertilized by God's love and watered by the Spirit, can help others to go deeper into God's love and forgiveness. Those that were once abused can stretch wider their arms of love and care for others that have been abused. Those that struggle with anxiety can help others to grow stronger through their anxiety. And all this happens when we are planted in Christ, the river, and we can go through the drought seasons but remain evergreen and not allow those things of the past, those drought times, to be something that we just carry within us for the rest of our lives. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians. He says, we are pressed in every way, hedged in, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven by despair, hunted down and persecuted, but not deserted, struck down, but never destroyed, always carrying around in the body, in the body, the dying of Jesus, so that the resurrection life of Christ also may be shown in our body. For we who live are constantly experiencing the threat of being handed over to death for Jesus' sake so that the resurrection life of Christ may be evidenced in our mortal body, which are subject to death. So physical death is actively at work in us. But spiritual life is actively at work in you. Both are at work. We can be in the midst of dry and barrenness, but remain evergreen. Has anyone heard of a guy by the name of John Chapman? You may, oh yeah, see one, see a couple of hands. You may also have heard of his other name, uh, Johnny Appleseed, was the nickname uh, that was given to him. And I believe we have a photo is that right? We have a photo of, uh, of Johnny Appleseed there. There he is. A very true and accurate photo of this guy, Johnny Appleseed. So although there's books about him and there was a cartoon that, that Disney made about him, he was actually a real person that lived in America. He was born in 1774 and died in 1884. Uh, sorry, 1845. So Johnny Appleseed, you can see from the, from the picture there, he, he started off life... Uh, a poor, skinny, 
little guy. His mum passed away early. His dad went off to war. And so for a period of time, he was left all alone. And all he knew how to do was simply plant and rear. um, He would plant apple seeds and rear apple trees. But it was the dream of every young boy back in America at this time that they would become a, a pioneer man, a frontier man, that they would go out into the wild, wild west and that they would take new ground and expand America and you know, become famous for, for going out into the wild west. But the problem was, was that there was this type of person that would go out into the Wild West and there was t- these types of things that they had to do and that didn't fit who Johnny was. You see, if you were going out into the Wild West, it meant that you had to, to carry a gun, that you had to be ready to, to kill bears, that you had to be ready to, to kill wolves and sadly that you had to be ready to kill the Native American Indians that may come across your path. So... The pioneer, the, the, the frontier men of the day were, were big, strong guys that were okay with, with killing things. But that wasn't who Johnny was. So he thought, well, that can never be me. I don't fit the mold. But then one day, he believed that he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go and be a frontier man. But I want you to go just as you are. So, without shoes, without a hat, he had this tin pot hat, without a gun, with simply a Bible in one hand and a bag of apple seeds in the other, he set off into the wild frontier to become a pioneer man. And he just kept doing what he knew how to do. He shared the gospel with the Native American Indians rather than fighting with them. And all he did was wherever he came across a patch of fertile soil, he would simply plant a seed. And he would stay there and he would plant seeds and he would create an apple nursery. And then once those trees had grown up there, he would walk on to the next place. He was kind of like a, uh, a Forrest Gump kind of gardener. He just went all across America, not just running, but planting these apple seeds. Hence, he got the name Johnny Appleseed. Well, an interesting thing happened. Although Johnny didn't fit the mold, although he didn't look like a, a pioneer man, a There was a a frontier law that that came out that said any new ground that was to be occupied had to be occupied by a homestead. And what categorized a homestead was a house with 50 permanent trees that had been planted. And so even though apple seeds would take, you know, five or six years before they matured and started to develop apples, people soon started to realize that this little scrawny guy who didn't fit the mold of a pioneer, he'd planted 50 trees here and 50 trees there and he'd actually done all this stuff and so he then became the legal owner of thousands of acres of land, not because he was strong, not because he went out to kill, but simply because he planted seed. So he died a very rich, very wealthy person because everyone wanted to buy his land. And in fact, 200 years later, many of the major American cities are there because that is where Johnny planted seed. 
I believe that this story speaks prophetically to us as a church. That we need to sow seed. That there is land that God wants to make legally ours. There is land that the enemy has taken control of. That God is saying it, it should be legally yours. And it can be legally yours if you would plant a seed. You don't have to go out and kill. You don't have to look the part. You don't have to have all these big things. All you need is the willingness to plant a seed. And it may take time before that seed bears fruit. Six years ago, I planted a seed thought in Sam Long's mind to start a church in the city. And although it took five years before it bore fruit and became a church, and although it was hard to, to lose them from this house, we did not lose ground. In fact, we gained ground for the kingdom as Nova Church was born. Last year, we sowed a financial seed of $14,000 to start a school for street kids in the red light district of Cambodia. And in just a, a few short months, that already has started to bear fruit because we already see about 30 kids off the street getting an education, hearing about Jesus, and you can see they're back out on the street sharing the gospel with others. Now, you could say that our church is poorer both financially and relationally because of what we've given. But I would say that we're richer for it, that the kingdom is richer for it, that there is ground that we have taken because we chose to sow a seed. That as we choose to follow one of our core values, generosity is our delight that we actually become richer as we grow deeper, wider, and stronger. So we are never going to be a rich church. We're never going to be a famous church, but we are going to be a sowing church. We are going to be an investing church. We are going to be a healthy, growing, vibrant church. Because there's an interesting thing that, that happens to fruit trees, that if you just let them grow up, they just keep growing up and up and up, but don't actually grow out and don't actually bear fruit. And in this age of, you know, Instagram and social media, it can be tempting for churches to just keep growing up and getting bigger and bigger and having more and more numbers, but never actually bearing fruit. That there are times of, of pruning that need to take place. That there are, are times of sowing a seed into new soil that you're not going to reap a harvest from for many years to come. But I want us to be a fruit-producing church. I want to see churches planted in Gifford Hill, where we also hope to start a school. I want to see churches planted in the Adelaide Hills, in, in Victor Harbour, in Cambodia. But in order for us to reap a harvest, we need to plant seeds now. Now, I know that most of you are thinking, well, Josh, you've just talked about putting my roots down deep, and my roots are down deep here, and I'm quite happy here. I know that, that God has connected me to the, to the life source here that I that I, I feel close to God and, and this is where God has planted me. And yes, this message is for you too because yes, there is a harvest that is waiting right here in this town, in this community that we need people to continue to sow and invest into. But we need to continue to sow. 
that just like Johnny Appleseed, that we need to lay claim of the land that we want to possess. So the guys are going to start to uh, hand out. I want everyone to take a seed. So these guys, if you can start handing those seeds out. Everyone's going to take a seed. And if you're a visitor here and this sounds a bit like a kind of a financial pitch of some kind, well, again, I hope that you'll see that, that my heart is the, the same as the Apostle Paul when he said in Philippians 4 verse 7, he said, It is not that I am looking for a gift. No, I want to see that you receive the fruit that increases to your benefit. So I don't want to receive a gift from you. I want you to receive the fruit that God has in store for you. I want you to see the land possessed that God is waiting for you to be legally and rightfully yours. But it is going to take the sowing of a seed. And yes, in that passage, Paul was talking about financially, but it's not just financially. We need to invest our time, our talent, and our treasure into the things of God. Because only when that seed is planted will it enable it to grow deeper and wider and stronger. Now, over the next few weeks, our preaching team are going to talk more about this vision and about the different aspects of this vision. But right now, we're going to do something that may seem a bit weird. But we are going to use this, just, this little seed as you hold it in your hand. Look at just how tiny and how fragile that is. But then think about the fact that it has potential. That there is a, a potential that that seed, though it may be small, has. And some of you may have heard this saying from, from Robert Schuller. He said, anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the number of apples in a seed. In other words, we don't know the potential that we hold within our hand. And a few weeks ago, I spoke about the difference between a potential and a calling. And I said that in actual fact, Jesus never fulfilled his potential. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. But any room that Jesus walked into, he had the potential to heal anyone. That if he didn't go to the cross when he did, he could have stayed on earth and done more miracles, done more things. He could have increased his potential, but he didn't because there was something more important than knowing his potential, and that was knowing his calling. He knew the reason for which he was sent. So he willingly went to the cross because your calling trumps your potential. Now in this room, as I look around, I see unlimited potential. But potential needs to be activated. Just having potential doesn't actually help anyone do anything. It just means that there is the possibility that you know, there is such potential for things to happen. But we do, I believe, prophetically have a calling, each and every one of us. And our calling is to sow seed. Our calling is to occupy ground. So I'm going to ask all of us to stand, if you'd all like to stand. And I want you to, to think about that seed that you hold in your hand. And I want you to think about planting that seed, activating its potential. 
I want you to think about the land that God wants you to possess. For it to be legally yours. But it can only be legally yours. And the potential of the seed can only be activated when we plant it. Now, for some, it may be a seed of encouragement. That you see something in a young person's life. It may take five years before any fruit is born from that investment, from planting that seed. But can I encourage you, church, particularly you older members of the congregation. Every week you come here, you have the opportunity to sow a seed of encouragement into a young person's life. That will in turn, I believe, reap a harvest. Some of you may need to plant the seed of forgiveness. That there is the luscious fruit of peace that is going to flow in your life when you decide to plant that seed of of forgiveness, to, to forgive someone else. And it may feel hard and it may feel as though it's a loss at the time, but it will bear a harvest of peace in your life when you choose to sow forgiveness, to occupy that territory that unforgiveness has kept from you. Because the interesting thing in our key passage was that we, yes, we are to stay green through the ups and downs of life, but that we only are to bear fruit in season. The bearing of fruit doesn't come straight away. God isn't calling us all to bear fruit day after day after day, that there is often a time difference between when we invest and when we plant that seed to when we actually see the fruit of what we have done. So you may not feel like forgiving that person right now, but I guarantee you that a luscious harvest will come if you sow forgiveness. For others, it may be a a financial gift that you may sow a seed into Gifford Hill, into the school and the church that we want to establish there. And it's my pleasure to announce that just this week we've kicked over $40,000 that has already been raised, seeds that you have already planted, that some of you in this room may never see the harvest of, but I believe that it is ground that is going to become legally ours because you as a church have decided to sow a seed. For others of you, it may be the decision to to no longer keep your talent buried, that you may decide to to serve in that department, to to sign up for that, that ministry role that you've been fearing all this time, that you've kept buried, but now you're saying, no, I'm no longer going to keep it buried, I'm going to be planted. I'm going to plant my my time, my talent, and my treasure into this ministry, into what God is, is calling me to. But I believe that for each and every one of us, there is ground that the Lord wants us to occupy. But are you going to sow your seed? And where are you going to sow your seed? in the dry and barren places that are subject to the, the world and the environment around and about us just responding? Or are we going to plant that seed in the rich, fertile soil right at the riverbank beside the living water that He may sustain us not just this day, but each and every day? So you might choose to look at that seed as we, as we pray. You might choose to hold it tightly in your hand. You can do whatever you want with the seed that you have. You may choose to eat it. They're all edible seeds. You can do that too. But we're going to pray. 
that God is going to bring a harvest as we choose to be an investing church, a sowing church, a, a giving church, a loving church, and a church that is dependent on being close to the living water. So let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you that just as blood flowed from the side of your son Jesus, that so life flowed from him and flows to us today. Father, each of us hold in our hands a seed, a seed of potential. But Lord, we don't want to just leave it as potential. Lord, we want to sow this seed and release its calling. The calling of forgiveness, the calling of peace, the calling of service, the calling of love, the calling of generosity. Father, we thank you that there is ground that you want to make legally ours if we will but sow a seed. We may not fit the part. We may not look the part. We may feel as small and as insignificant as the seed that we now hold in our hands. But Father, we thank you that when you hold us in your nail-scarred hands, that Lord, we're going to see callings fulfilled, potential fulfilled in and through you. Lord, help us to choose to plant this seed. Help us in our 2020 to stay planted and stay close to you. That if this year becomes a year of drought, that if this year becomes a year where circumstances don't go our way, that we may not be discouraged, that we may not be beaten down, that we will not just wither up and die, but that we may remain evergreen in you. as you remain our life source. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.